0: Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LeFave Boton, Christine Wong, Christopher Ifill, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K. Froppy, Ian Collis, Joe Sue, John DeLong, John Griswold, Leanne S., Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Sam Solero, Stella. And Teresa. Become our patron today and hear your name at the beginning of an Elwood City Limit episode, if I remember to do it, at slash Elwood City Limits. Thanks, everybody. And the Lord focused unto Nova Scotia. And he said, haven't heard that ECL in a little while. <laughs> so, the Lord then g- the gifted us with a snowstorm and yay, here are our two weary podcasters with the uh with the snow and ice falling outside. It's a snow day over here. So, I'd say it's time for us to get to gabbin about Arthur. My name's Will uh. Young and welcome to Elwood City Limits uh, and that's Lucas Mancini by the way.
1: Uh, in this case i guess the lord is one gucci mane cuz uh, i'm saying burr
0: sorry i don't i don't i don't i don't have a great reservoir of information about gucci mane
1: i um he says burr sometimes. <laughs> he says bur sometimes. Only that's, sometimes. His, that's his thing. Uh yeah, only he's not always saying bur, but uh uh often he'll he'll exclaim bur and that's that's what I'm saying cuz it is snowing outside. Yeah, you- uh, we were talking right before we were recording about how uh there's a slight chance that um, the power might go out while we're doing this, so fingers crossed. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I haven't had a power flicker yet, but you, like I'm certainly not immune. Actually, the um, our fire alarm at at our apartment went off last night. It's like the first time we ever heard it, and it was one of those things where like you ever have a fire alarm go off and you just kind of stand there for a second. You're like, is that real, or was there always a fire alarm in Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield?
1: Oh, my God. We, were, uh, we were just,
0: like It started going, and I was like, man, that's a really realistic fire alarm sound. And then we we're like, wait a second. I think this is actually happening. Uh.
1: I know I've told you this story, but I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast where uh, back in my old apartment in Wolfville, mm. uh, I was sitting on the toilet with no pants on. And uh, the fire alarm started going off. And I'd never heard the fire alarm in my building before. And it's like a really, really intense, like mind-numbingly loud fire alarm. Yeah. Uh, so I got out of the bathroom and I uh, did a quick thirty seconds assessment of what I could save for my apartment. Like what was important enough to risk my life spending extra time to save. So I grabbed my computer and I put a pair of jeans on because I was going to die with dignity. Uh, and then I went outside. It turned out the girl in the apartment across the hall from me had left something plastic on her open burner, and it had melted in and, like, had really, like, there was, like, smoke everywhere in the apartment. The fire department came, and that's neither here nor there, and they, uh, blew the smoke out. But I could have died because I wanted to wear pants. Uh... I think, I I,
0: I think the problem with ours, it was, like, the... like thank goodness the fire department came really quickly, but it was like a sprinkler problem, like the pipes had frozen or something, uh, which I'm surprised hadn't happened already given how cold it's been. Uh, so what I what we did is I put on a pair of sweatpants, socks, and Birkenstocks, and the only thing that I took with me was my iPod. So if they're really damn, if they're, you were flexing on them with the Birks on, what? eh? Um, and all that to say that if that really was a fire and my apartment would have gone up in flames, there would be no, uh, hard copy of Elwood city limits anymore. So that was a big wake up of just like, maybe I should get a external hard drive and, you know, back these up. And in case of a fire, Mm. just run out of the house with those.
1: That's a good idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Episodic Arthur podcast as we make our way through season six. And we've got a full plate to talk to you about today. Of course, before we get into that, uh, it's time to go on over to our emails. That's at Elwood's. City Limits at gmail.com We've got a couple of these I
1: feel like it's been a while since I've done the emails
0: Well yes, as long as, uh, longtime listeners might remember A couple weeks ago We actually uh, did a mailbag special And uh, I've read through some of them And yeah, but it, it has been a while Since you and I have been here to respond to them So I'm glad that our lucky and lovely listeners uh, Get to uh, have both of our thoughts On what they have to say So this first one is from Z. Hey, Lucas and Will. Uh, First off, I can't believe y'all are at season six. You've come a long way since 2016. Anyway, I wanted to backtrack to season five because there were some A Word From Us Kids segments that weren't talked about, specifically two. There's another one in season five with the parent version with the parents talking about their kids. It was okay if you guys didn't have time to go over them, but I was curious to know your thoughts about them. So yes, uh, pretty much... uh, we don't. We don't pre decide whether to talk about a word from us kids. If it's with our video file that we're watching, then we talk about it. If it's not, then we don't. Those are really hard to uh, track down on their own. So we trust me.
1: I'm always happy to talk about word from us kids. Uh, any chance you give me, I'll, I'll talk about it. I, I love seeing that stuff. And
0: I feel like we've probably missed a couple of the really iconic ones. But either uh, either way, uh, Z says there was one about the behind the scenes with the cast of Zoom. Uh, I just wanted to know if you grew up watching Zoom in Canada. So I don't know about you, Lucas, but Zoom was on on TBS. And I remember it was on at like 6 o'clock on weekdays, like 6 p.m. And it was like after Arthur was over, uh, after all the other stuff I would normally watch. When Zoom came around, that was normally the time for me to either switch to Scooby-Doo on Teletoon or uh, just kind of not... Watch, you know, like, it's like, okay, I've had enough TV for today's Zooms on. No, no disrespect to Zoom. It was just I wasn't a, as big a fan of like, the live action kids shows. I think I watched a couple of episodes here and there. And I really liked the one episode that they did that was all about the behind the scenes of how Zoom worked. I thought that was really interesting. Other than that was not a huge part of my childhood.
1: I was, I was a big Zoom watcher. I loved Zoom back in the day. I couldn't really tell you anything about it. Um, it's definitely, like, disappeared into the recesses of my subconscious. But um, my biggest Zoom memory was in grade one um, for my birthday party, my grade one birthday party. My mom made me the rainbow cake from Zoom, Ooh. which I always thought. Oh, I, I remember to this day, it's one of my fondest childhood memories. Because the way they do it is you need one of those – you know those, um like – uh, uh, it's sort of, um, oh gosh, like, not like a cookie sheet, but it's like sort of a mold for the cake. Um, okay. and then they have cake, they have cake molds where there's like a hole in the middle. So it's like a big, yeah. it's like a giant donut almost. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the zoom rainbow cake, You was, you would, you would use one of those, but then you'd cut the cake in half and stand it on its side. Uh-huh. So it was like an actual rainbow um, and as a kid, I what well, thought it was amazing, and so um, that is like my my fond Zoom memory. I'm trying to remember like what was from Zoom and what wasn't from Zoom. That kid with the red tomato hat is that a Zoom thing? I'm not sure. Sh- was that I, just I don't know? Is if that I just know. on TV? I Do you not know what I'm talking about? The kid he was like rapping about his tomato hat.
0: Just a second. I have to look this no. up now. The only thing that I remember from Zoom other than like the intros, like I would always watch the intro to Zoom and then not watch anymore because I I kind of like the tune and I like the way the kids presented to themselves. Um, I remember Ubby Dubby Man. That's the only other thing I remember. And like trying as hard as I could to understand how it was that that manner of speech worked. It took me a while when I was a kid. Okay,
1: so I found the video for Tomato Hat, but it just, it just, it's okay. No, I don't think it's Zoom because this is, it seems to be a Treehouse video.
0: Mm. Um, Treehouse TV is, of of course, the uh, younger, younger kids television station here in uh, Canada. It was a spinoff of YTB, I want to say. It was like the same, like, Chorus Media or whatever it is.
1: I'll tell you what, though, you should see
0: this if you have not seen this
1: before. I'll copy this into the chat because this is quite incredible.
0: And this is and this uh, is called what now?
1: It's called Red Tomato Hat. And we have here a young man rapping about how he's got a tomato hat. Uh, here we go. Anyway, Zoom was good. I liked Zoom. I, I think partly why I have a high tolerance for something that I know a lot of people aren't fond of, which is... Um, improv comedy and, and sketch comedy and stuff like that is probably because i I watch zoom so much as a young age
0: hmm I didn't think about it that way but that was pretty much what it was uh, okay hang on I'm just gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna play this tomato hat I don't <laughs> uh, I mean
1: you don't have to do it right now but it, it's you definitely need to it's this is I'm surprised you've never seen this before i I remember this being on TV like constantly
0: tomato hat by justin hines treehouse tv uh oh the i think the program i remember this program is called ants and ants in your pants
1: oh but it was another like variety show right
0: yeah something like that okay live okay that's probably
1: why i was thinking of zoom
0: live action low budget canadian kind of comedy show for kids yeah uh Z -Z continues the second word from us segment was about the kids visiting a pizzeria and learning how to make a pizza from scratch I remember that one Uh, that one was pretty cool I remember there was a kid who ate ate a bunch of pizza he like ate four (laughs) slices or something Uh, yeah I remember the class one on the field trip I that one was fun Uh, I kindly send my regards to Lucas toward his education college or university is a struggle. Uh yeah, the
1: struggle is real, but we're almost done. It's only a ten month uh, diploma, so mm. uh, we're on the we're on the home
0: stretch now. Uh, that's from Z. P.S. I'm looking forward to the review of Rhyme for Your Life. It's one of my favorite Binky episodes. Next to World of Tomorrow, we'll be we'll be getting to that very very soon. We also have an email here from Viv, and Viv is somebody that I'm very glad that we have uh, connected to, and uh, you'll find out why in a moment. Hi there. I haven't listened to many of your podcast episodes. Uh, I do something that is kind of similar. I have a YouTube channel dedicated to Arthur stuff and other kids' TV shows that I love. There was one point where I tried to review every single Arthur episode, but I decided to do other stuff instead that I really want to do. At the moment, sadly, I have been under the weather and I've not been able to edit my video that I want to work on. I hope to get better soon so I can get that done. And I also want to get better in general of getting better. Uh, I have a question about that. What do you do when you're sick and you have to make another podcast episode? Do you pull through it or do you take a break until you feel better?
1: uh well first of all general sick well it 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 really depends on how sick like if i'm like completely bedridden uh sometimes i won't record the podcast but i've definitely recorded the podcast like really sick before uh and this the strat is the second i feel let myself getting sick and this is probably mostly a placebo i don't know how much like Actual medical science is is in this, but I just start shotgunning orange juice. Like I just mm-hmm. start drinking orange juice, like it's going out of style. Mm-hmm. And then I, I top that off with some of that uh, some of that neo citrin. Get that neo citrin going, and I'm I'm pounding back the neo citrin. And if it's really bad, you do the double strat of you're you're washing down uh, Dayquil with neo citrin uh, to really fight through it. Um, and that's and that's basically my strategy. But i have definitely like. Been, on, been extremely ill and recorded the podcast with you before, Will. I think we usually mention it when that's the case.
0: Yeah, I can't remember any specific instances of when I've been sick, and I'd say it all depends on how sick you are. Like, if it's hard to concentrate and if it's like... You, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it's any secret that when it comes to... I'll just speak for our podcast, that our health does generally come first. So uh, we try our best to muscle through if it's like, you know, a cold or something like that. But if if it, if it what we really need is rest, then we can't really be put at fault for that. So I'd say there's a difference between working hard and then working yourself too hard. And it can take a while to find out exactly what that means for you. Uh, Viv, I certainly hope that you feel better very soon. Um, have you seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet? It's awesome. Lucas, have you seen it? I have. Me- I, 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 I as, as someone who... Kind of
1: hates all those Marvel movies, like and and I I find myself disliking them more and more as time goes on Mm -hmm. and like we get farther away from their initial release. Uh, I was deeply surprised by how much I actually kind of love Into the Spider Verse. I I like that movie uh, quite a bit. Um, enough to say that it's, I, 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 and I'm as surprised I'm saying this as anybody else enough to say that it's probably one of my favorite movies that came out last year. And like, I know that that's not a hot take or anything, but it's certainly a hot take for me because I really, really like don't like a lot of the Marvel movies. Uh, and so I was kind of blown away by how much I I really enjoyed it.
0: I agree with you. Um, I was, I was, I was very excited for it, but I was also very cautious because I feel like excitement can sometimes be a little bit. Of, uh, uh, can kind of go bad with the, with these Marvel movies. I know what you mean. They're, I mean, I mean, go figure. The, the Marvel movies have been coming out for 11 years now, and we've both just done a lot of growing up in that time. And not to say that it's, you know, it's grown up to dislike the Marvel movies or anything, but after a while, your tastes change. And I understand your feelings, Lucas, about like not being the greatest fan of them nowadays, or like it used to be a guarantee of like, boy, I'm gonna have a great time. But then, like, the movies that have come out in the last couple of years have been kind of leaving me cold. Uh, so again- I
1: like, like, like I watched last week, I watched Alita battle angel mm. and I'll say, I'll say this. Yeah. Like, the dialogue in Alita Battle Angel is, like, laughably bad in parts. Mm -hmm. Like, laughably bad. But it's like, that movie, like, that being said, that movie can do no wrong because I was just overjoyed watching it being like, they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, it's (laughs) like, I cannot believe they made this movie. Like, I'm like, this movie is literally for... Uh, like two people, and it's like James Cameron and me. So I, I, I was just—it was so refreshing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when, remember when movies used to be cool." <laughs> uh, so well, it's hard to it, that kind of sums up my 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 disinterest in Marvel movies.
0: Well, it's just hard to recapture the. Uh the original kind of verve that those Marvel movies had. It's just like, there's nothing will compare to when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, whatever it was. And Iron Man came out and it was fantastic. And then all of those movies kept coming out and they were anywhere from pretty good to, to terrific. And it was because that just hadn't been seen at that point. Now it's like you get, Dozens of comic book movies every year, and it's not special anymore. And it just feels like we've kind of seen it all. Now, having said all that, Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse, fantastic movie. I will go. I will go so far as to say it's my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Uh, I have many different and conflicting feelings on all of the Spider-Man movies and because it uh Spider-Man is most I'm pretty sure that Spider-Man is my favorite superhero so I feel very defensive about him and in a very kind of protective of my own childhood kind of way and this was pretty much everything I love about Spider-Man and the best part is it like wasn't even a peter parker story it was a miles morales story uh i loved that and my god the visuals were i can't wait to buy that on blu-ray it's going to look so good uh yeah i loved it and the and the best thing is is that like there hasn't been a huge sub like even a noticeable subculture of people like disliking the movie i think i've maybe seen maybe one negative review and like everybody I've talked to, everybody I've seen online has nothing but good things to say about it. The Academy, for goodness sakes! Oh my God! Yeah, the Academy. Well, actually, <laughs> they, I was, I was, I was surprised. Me too.
1: Uh, me too. Uh, given given how much the Academy got wrong this year, mm. pretty much everything. Um, I was, I was surprised that uh, that was the one thing they literally like maybe maybe that and best original song like those are like the two things the academy got right this year mm-hmm. so i was uh,
0: fully expecting it to go to incredibles too, which i've found very disappointing personally uh but yes thumbs up from both of us for into the Spider uh viv continues someday i want to get a patreon account but i don't have that many subscribers and not that many views on my videos should i get one what's your advice about that i well i remember that kind of early on we wanted to I wanted to do the same thing and Lucas you kind of cautioned me to take uh, to pump the brakes on that a little bit and I think you were right Patreon is something and we approach it in a very different way as well because these days you see people with Patreon accounts who are uh trying to make a living which is great respectable like I really I really root for the people who make their living off of Patreon I think that's great um but you need to recognize right away, you, there's some questions you need to ask yourself. And for me, it was, what would I want to do with more money to benefit the show? And if there isn't any- And the answer
1: is, go see uh, Detective Pikachu. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you, you could you could argue that, sure. Uh, what <laughs> What would I want to do to benefit the show? And if I don't really need to benefit the show, what would- I guess what would I what would I be able to give back to people because that's the thing is that I'm sure that from the outside Patreon looks like a way to just like make some easy money but actually it's pretty much making what you're doing into a job and that's that can be tough because we we started this and we keep doing this uh, because it's fun, and it is still fun. Do not get me wrong. But if th- th- if this is something you want to keep as your hobby, uh, Viv, you and your videos, if you just want it to be something that you do at your own pace, you don't have to answer to anybody but yourself... Um, you're still, you're still young, I've watched your YouTube videos, um, uh, then I would say don't rush into a Patreon account. You still are in the process of kind of building up your audience and finding your voice too. So I don't think it's something you need to rush into. I know it can be tempting to do that, uh, what with kind of everybody and their mother doing it these days, including us. <laughs> but uh, I'd say take it, take it easy and ask yourself what you would do uh, with a Patreon, both to give back and with what you're getting. From your audience, and for us, it's a way for our audience to say thank you, which uh, we were asked about quite a lot, and it's still it's still buck wild to me that we a have an audience and b have any patrons at all. So I'm eternally slobberingly grateful to uh, every everybody for all of this, Lucas. Do you, I, do you have I, any thoughts I think
1: on of it? I think of it like it like it's like a tip jar for us, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just like if you like the show then you don't have to do anything, but if you want to, you kick us a couple little Patreon dollars, and then you get to hear the fun filibusters. Uh, if you want to hear, if you if you still aren't sick of us talking with the regular episodes, it's a little, little something extra, a little treat for you. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a win-win. Uh,
0: so this is the end of Viv's email. Thank you for reading my lame email. Certainly not. It's not lame at all. No. I'm not in an awesome state to perfect this email. At least I tried, though. Keep doing... Uh, with what you love doing, sincerely, Viv. Well, Viv, uh, I want to give back to you a little bit as well. Uh, Viv is on YouTube. Her channel name is Arthur and Buster BFFL. Uh, I subscribe to her. She does. I've watched her Arthur's Perfect Christmas Review, which I really liked. And I'm really, Viv, I'm really looking forward to what you're going to continue to be doing. In fact, I'm going to put your April 9th video in my Watch Later queue right now. I'm going to watch that when I'm done. All right, thank you very much. Again, that's Arthur and Buster BFFL. Uh, it's Arthur, um, oh, ooh, ampersand, ampersand, no, yes, ampersand. That's the the symbol meaning and, Arthur and Buster BFFL. Anyway, thank you, Viv, and best of luck to you. I hope you get better very soon. Thanks to everybody at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And now I think it's finally time to get into, into the episode, unless there's anything else, Lucas? Uh, no, I th- I think it's... It's time to get into this. It's time to it's time um, to get over to the uh, the bullpen of the Elwood City Times.
1: I will say this though. Uh, before we review this episode, uh, last episode we talked a little bit about um, the scene from Citizen Kane where uh, Kane messes up that room. Yes. Uh, and before I watched the episode, I did watch that scene from Citizen Kane again. In fact, I'm gonna pull it up right now uh citizen kane room trashing she- scene. <laughs> oh my god this suitcase f your suitcase oh my lord yeah um so the, my review is in uh watching this now the scene from citizen kane where he's messing up his room still very good um i'm gonna oh my i'm gonna the put that up. too he's pulling the curtains off the bed oh my ah the record player Flip of the table.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this. Uh, I'm gonna put that scene up on our, on our social very, very soon. So if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you need help. You need help, uh, uh, chasing it down. We'll have you covered here.
1: Just once in my life, I want to mess up a room like this. Oh. I know they have those like, uh, anger rooms, rage room, down, yeah, the rage room. But I feel like it's just not the same. It's not as ornate as, uh, and also I'm too spry. I want to be like an old man, like, like. Mr. Cade here oh my gosh well Lucas I'll I'll talk to you
0: I'll talk to you in 70 years after you've amassed your multimedia fortune and uh we can mess up a room together so this is Citizen Frensky and it begins at the Elwood City Times they're hot on the trail these two uh nameless side characters are hot on the trail of a huge scoop going down with the Lakewood Elementary kids
1: yeah, so uh, these guys are. I wrote down their names are Stevens and Murphy. Perfect. Uh, cl- Perfect. Classic, classic journal names, classic, <laughs> uh, you know, beat writers. Stevens and Murphy on the case. So we're ready to blow the story wide open. Um, and they are contenders for a throwaway character of the week. Uh, I actually have to make a decision here because there's. There's two uh, uh, discrete descript groups in the running this week. It's Stevens and Murphy and someone else to be revealed a little later on.
0: Uh, So they, Stevens and Murphy are going around interviewing characters such as Arthur, Muffy, and Buster who are kind of alluding to something that someone has done. A female character has done and they're in complete shock. Muffy is uh, doing her best acting here. She's uh, pretending to be sad for the gram. (laughs) They even, yeah. they even snap a picture, and it's, and it's like, totally Graham-worthy.
1: Uh, there's a lot of, like, if you want to talk about, like, candid photography, there's a, there's a lot of Graham-worthy stuff here in this
0: episode. No, that's true. Uh, and my favorite is Buster. They're interviewing him at the Sugar Bowl, and he's like, it, it's like, I'm telling you, it's aliens. It has to do with, like, they get into the... They control her brain with the fillings in her teeth, and then there's just a picture of Buster pointing to his tooth with his mouth open. It's another <laughs> fantastic Buster shot. That's probably gonna that's probably gonna be the cover of this of this episode, <laughs> no doubt. Uh and it turns and it turns out they, they go right to print with this. It's front page news. I know. I wrote down this has got to be a
1: slow news week here at Elwood City. It seems like Elwood City actually has a lot of slow news week, considering what's made front page in the Elwood City Times from Buster Baxter, Cat Saver to what was the one last episode where it's like the Cat Saver oh, also does boy this?
0: discovers com- Cat Saver discovers Comet.
1: Yeah, that's front page news in the Elwood City Times.
0: Yeah, so they go they go to print with this, and then Francine picks up the paper. The front page news is Frensky frames friends with some kind of weird file photo of uh, Francine looking real shifty. Like, how did they get that photo of hers?
1: Uh, it's like, it's probably photoshopped. It's probably like... Uh, uh, like they use some sort of like face altering tech, like mm. the Momo challenge or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the that's, it,
0: there is a sinisterness to that picture of Francine. The Momo challenge, my goodness. Uh, Yeah. And so, but Francine is, uh, denies it up and down and is furious at this. We never really find out. I mean, I'm guessing this did not really happen in the world of Arthur, but I also wouldn't be surprised. Uh, So the idea of this episode is that everybody it has a surprise take your child to work day but not with their own parent which is probably a nightmare to try and uh, schedule without the kids knowledge
1: i was just going to say i uh, i don't know how like feasible or like does this happen like i've never heard of anything like this i really like, do it go to work with someone else's parent this seems insane
0: okay i i will say though that i did take your child to work day kind of thing and i didn't do it with either of my parents i actually got to do it with local radio personality don conley really yeah he's a friend of our family so i got to go with him to information morning that was that was awesome i don't think
1: i've ever done take your kid to work day ever no no i don't think so
0: your dad, uh, your dad would be somebody interesting to follow around.
1: Well, that's only in recent years did he get his his interesting job. He used to. I used to joke that I had no idea what he did for a living <laughs> uh, uh, until until pretty recently. So, um, unfortunately, no, I don't think i would never had the pleasure. Maybe with my mom at the library, like long, long time ago when I was a little little kid.
0: Well, may, um, well, may... Bra-
1: brains, Brain's got a great line here before it's revealed that they're kind of going to. Uh, work with uh, each other's parents. Brain uh, points out that um, Mr. Ratburn's like we're going to work, kids, and Brain's like that's against child labor laws.
0: Yeah, that was that was a good one. I like that too. So, in order to figure out where everybody's going, Mr. Ratburn is doing the old scenes from a hat. This is for all for you, and. Uh, they are going to be picking somebody's occupation from the hat, and we get a great a couple of great Buster lines in this episode. He has one that's just like, "Cool, I'm going to the dump."
1: <laughs> um, yeah, Muffy's going to Brain's mom's, uh, ice, cream mom's ice cream shop. Where's Binky going? Uh, Do we Uh, see
0: Binky after this?
1: I don't remember. Arthur goes to Crosswire uh, Crosswire Motors, Motors, which he's not pleased with.
0: And Francine gets uh, Buster's mom, so she's going to the newspaper, which she's not excited about. Um, We do get a little shot of everybody. We actually get this kind of cool—I actually watched Hot Fuzz last night, so it was almost a little bit of an Edgar Wright kind of thing here, where, like, as they move from job to job, everybody's sentence kind of bleeds into the next one.
1: Yeah, I really liked this montage. It was edited in a way that they don't normally do. Um, some notes from this, actually, this I I really enjoyed this because uh, it's it's not only is it edited in a cool way. Um, There's a lot of funny asides. Like, for instance, um, Muffy is sort of trying to be like the John Taffer of ice cream, talking about how uh, the layout of how you lay out the ice cream will increase sales um, if you do it a certain way. And then we get um, an amazing moment with Muffy's dad telling Arthur that he sold his own, is it his cousin? Yeah. It was someone that was closely related to him. He sold like a busted car to his own cousin and he tells Arthur to never overestimate the intelligence of a customer.
0: Mm, It's it's classic. Uh, I will say here, uh, this is potentially a character uh, trait for Muffy. She seems to have some decent business acumen. She's, You know, color coding your ice cream flavors will, you know, result in greater business. I don't know if that's provable, but that sounds like it would make sense, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, it it just reminds me of like John Taffer bar science of like, if you put these drinks at eye level, it's more likely to blah, blah, blah. Or like, if you don't do a 45 degree pour, you're going to be losing this much money.
0: Wow, it's, the, the, all all this stuff, all this micro science that like you, it sounds kind of dubious, but people are very confident in. Uh, well,
1: I, it's I, I listen. You gotta trust when people are like uh, John Taffer. You come into my bar, try to tell me how to run my bar. You don't know what you're talking about. And then John Taffer starts screaming at them. I'm like, oh, they should have just listened to John. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. He's he's a what is it? A bar expert. His <laughs> title is like. I'm just like how do you become this? John Tapper. I well, wonder what it comes up on Wikipedia if you do Well, it's
0: John... well it's like how do you become an amateur historian in like those documentaries, you know? How do you and get be considered like a like a pinball historian?
1: I feel like the historian people are like uh academics, academics though. Like, yeah. but but there's no he okay, American entrepreneur, television personality, uh oh, hospitality consultant.
0: Mm, okay. Learning a lot more about John Taffer. I don't know if I've ever seen his face. I, I know I know about him from people talking about Bar Rescue. He's a uh, physically imposing man, John Taffer. I imagine he'd have to be from all the times he's yelling at people to shut this effing place down. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so eventually, oh, and uh, we see the brain going to work with Arthur's mom uh, in her accounting job. I don't know why they wouldn't offer Arthur's dad. He's a, he's a chef and everything uh so Francine goes to the newsroom uh with bitsy she she makes a point she's kind of like pointing out everything like there, that's a broom closet that's a cafeteria that's a fact checker uh she she had a throwaway line here about like today in the cafeteria they're serving London broil and I didn't know what that is so I just looked it up London broil is a beef dish made by broiling marinated beef, then cutting it across the grain into thin strips. It looks pretty good.
1: I uh, That's one of two dishes that I learned about from this episode that I had not heard of uh, before uh, watching this. We'll get into the, the second dish later on. Uh, but it sounds good.
0: So Francine is all ready to be bored here. But as soon as they step into the newsroom, which is like the bullpens and everything, she see, we see like a good shot of like the chaos and everybody kind of everywhere. And she's immediately taken with it. And she gets to do a cool job. We see the return of Harry Mills. Uh, Bitsy's apparently her coworker. Uh, in the sports department and yeah I,
1: I hope they reported their relationship to HR
0: yeah that's weird like I'm not I'm not <laughs> well
1: I don't know if it's weird well but... I'm
0: not I'm not into workplace relationships I I, I don't oh, think that's oh a...
1: just as a just as a as a concept this is interesting so you're anti- Jim and Pam uh, uh... Let me let me think. What are other famous workplace relationships in
0: real life? All right, like like don't don't come at me with this anti Jim and Pam. Like don't listen, 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 (laughs)
1: listen. I would say if I had to work with Jim and Pam, I would probably not actually like their relationship that much. Because nah. esp- before they officially start dating, Jim and Pam, like Jim is getting no work done. He's just flirting all day long. You know what I mean? And I'm probably sitting there. I'm just trying to get my work done. And I pr- it would probably be pretty annoying. But um, after they officially start dating, that's fine. Um, I just, I don't know. Sometimes, it's a little workplace thing. Nothing wrong with that.
0: I don't know. I just don't... I, the kind of mental, mental... Bitsy
1: Baxter's... Bitsy Baxter, she's a working woman. You know, she's she's ostensibly raising Buster by herself. Where's she going to find time to meet people? Let her be happy.
0: I'm d- I don't mind her being happy. I'm talking... <laughs> I'm talking like, don't paint me out to be this anti-romantic or something. I'm talking about in real life here. And for me personally, it's just like, I don't, I don't associate work with many good feelings. So I I don't want that to bleed into my relationship. You know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd rather be happy when I see my partner, which is usually when I get off of work. So there you go. Um, yeah, so Harry is a reporter in the sports department, and he's taking on Francine for the day as his photographer. Uh, I do like that that Harry calls her Frensky, like he never calls her Francine. He just starts right away with Frensky, like again the real journo names, like we said. Uh, by the way, for any of you keeping track of Elwood City's location, the horse race is in Erie, which I took to be Erie, Pennsylvania, or maybe oh. or per- or perhaps Erie, Indiana.
1: Uh, probably Pennsylvania sounds like, uh, based on the geographic hints we've gotten thus far, um, the Pennsylvania sounds like the best guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to this horse race, and it turns out to be real Donnybrook. There's a goat on the on the track that ends up spooking all the horses, and Francine gets the picks. She's she's got a pretty good ph- uh, photographic eye.
1: Um, yeah, Francine's essentially working for exposure here. <laughs> uh, uh, I will say this, the fact that Francine Fredsky, a eight year old can take a uh, professional quality foot. First of all, the fact that she knows how to use one of those cameras at all, let alone take pictures with like, you know, the right shutter speed to be able to properly, the right shutter speed and aperture and all that stuff to mm-hmm. pro- be able to pop properly capture uh, this horse race, and then uh, uh, have those pictures be of a level of quality that they're publishable. I think she's in the wrong uh, hobby and field with her drumming and her singing and her sports. She should just uh, do photography full time. She's obviously like a savant uh or or a natural at it
0: yeah it could be and and she kind of does uh uh, take up take it up after this she gets some really good feedback from the paper they put it in the sports section
1: it's the front page of the sports section yeah elwood city must not have any like minor league or major league (laughs) teams if the front page of the sports section is a goat uh running on a (laughs) uh, horse race track
0: and not like a not like a a funny animal goat like a goat goat
1: yeah ex- oh, right 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 well let's not get into this yeah but uh <laughs> so oh gosh i never even considered that like the horse racing like are there have we seen bipedal <laughs> horses in arthur yet no we've not seen any bo- bojack any... horsemen. No. no
0: horses are just horses in in arthur especially because francine's big into horses it would be weird if there were horse people uh we don't have quite the diverse array as a bojack horseman no no at least not yet. Um, well, we definitely
1: have seen goats. That yes, have, like, that that repair guy, that sentience. repair
0: guy from some episodes ago that you really liked. He was a goat. Yeah. Hmm. Best not to think about this too much. No. Uh, so Francine is really taken with photography, and she decides to start uh, a newspaper for Lakewood Elementary called the Frensky Star. And so she's going around taking pictures. In fact, we get a particularly infamous one that I'm sure I've seen. Among weird Arthur Twitter, which is uh, uh, Ratburn, Ratburn's donk.
1: Yeah, uh, Ra- rapper got it going on. Um, uh, uh, you you come into your classroom and you see Mr. Ratburn uh 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 bent over like this. What you do? Uh, your 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 girl your girl your girl went to the store. Your 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 boo went to the store. You you come in the kitchen. You see Mr. Ratburn. Uh, what what you do then? What you what you do? Uh, truly, a question for the ages.
0: Speaking of the Graham, I mean, like, man, this is uh, this is something else. This is something else. He's uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Atburn bends over, and Francine takes a picture of him, and you know, of course, I screen cap. are you crazy? Um, it's almost it's almost one of those screen caps. It's like my mind was alight with just like too many jokes. It was like <laughs> like it, like that gif of Zach Galifianakis with all of the uh, the formulas going around his head of just like I don't know which one to pick yeah (laughs) um so yeah she's taking uh pictures of uh you know like mr atburn's but there's she has like a run-in with Catherine and she takes like an angry photo of her i love
1: her like i love her amateur newsroom so she sort of converted her and Catherine's room into a newsroom like in half a day and it's like hilarious like there's a sign that says newsroom on the door uh there's like papers just like Random articles and papers Like taped to the walls Taped to the windows It's like when Charlie Like makes his like Conspiracy corkboard uh, But it's like <laughs> Strewed all over her room And she, apparently She did this like All in one day uh, Which I appreciated
0: Man I would love it If Francine went after Pepe Sylvia uh, Yeah and then Catherine of course Takes if We Catherine gets real Real mad I don't blame her But it's just like We haven't seen That kind of ire from her yet Like her and Francine Really get into some Scrapes in this episode like she literally chases after Francie, and that's where they get this really mean-looking picture of her for the uh, first edition of the Frensky Star. And <laughs> Muffy's Muffy's the one bankrolling this because. Uh, okay, so yeah. so
1: here's here's our second contender for throwaway character of the week. Oh, okay. is uh the guy who works at the print shop? And I just want to say now, okay, I don't want to be mean here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I have nothing. But the utmost of respect for people who work in print shops, Uh, working in PR at my community college, I have to work with the community college print shop often. Mm. Uh, I will say, though, the amount that this guy's mannerisms uh, and just kind of overall look... Uh, seems ripped from reality of people who in my experience I've I've uh, worked with working at the print shops is uncanny and for that reason he is in the running for uh, for away character of the week because someone either on the animation team who was designing his character or a writer or something someone had actually got had experience working with a print shop because this guy, Looks like the kind of guy that works at
0: the print shop. So he, it, so he's working at a place called Stinko's Copies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's what's the um, what's the um, was, I'm thinking of Jinkos, but there's You're thinking no,
1: of of Kinko Kinko's?
0: Kinko's. That's it. Yes, I was like Jinkos, and then yeah, we got to Kinko's, So that's what that is. Uh, yeah, and uh, at Lucas, I'd ask you to call him by his name. His name is Gordy.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Nothing but respect for Gordy. I apologize, I apologize. So we got Stevens, Murphy, and Gordy.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: some real yeah, Canadian sweet. names. Yeah, hey, Gord. Yeah, Good Going point. for a rip, are you, Gord? <laughs> Just going for a rip? Hey, Gord, jet? No,
0: Jew, Joanna? <laughs> it's also great because my brother-in-law's name is Gordy, so I was kind of picturing oh. him. Uh, yeah, and so... The Frensky Star is also sponsored by Crosswire Motors because, as Muffy says, she pays for the, or gets her daddy to pay for the copies, and says that the Crosswires are love the media, which I actually found to be very surprising. I think that in this day and age, the Crosswires would not be so friendly toward the media.
1: This, okay, this line was really crazy <laughs> uh, because Muffy uh, uh, is like, Daddy and I are very supportive of the media. Yeah. Uh, and if we really want to get dark here— Oh, boy. Um, not to get make the podcast too serious, um, but—so uh, in New Brunswick— um, the majority of the media in New Brunswick is owned by the Irving Company, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, for our American listeners is sort of an oil and gas uh, uh, organization. They're one of the biggest employers in the East Coast. Everybody knows someone who works for the Irving Irvings, and yep. they've kind of monopolized uh, the media in New Brunswick uh, to the point where when there was like an explosion – Oh gosh, when was? It? Do you remember when this happened? Well, was, that, was, uh, that was
0: last year. I want to say maybe this time last year or like spring.
1: Oh no, wasn't it? No, no, I was in school already. It was in the fall. Oh uh, okay, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. It was. Um. Oh, it was like around Canadian Thanksgiving, I think, because like the headline was like, uh, by from the Irving owned media, it was like the Thanksgiving Day miracle. Uh, like right. They were kind of trying to spin it as a positive thing. Um. So. Uh, maybe the Crosswires have like a Koch Brothers-style um, um, grip on the media, and they're sort of uh, uh, like, "Oh, if you say anything bad about Crosswire Motors, we'll pull our funding." In fact, I think Muffy tries to pull that maneuver later on in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's there's there's a, a dark realism. A dark, prescient realism to uh, a Muffy saying, Daddy and I are very supportive of the media.
0: Yeah. It just, it, it, it kind of gave me the chills a little bit of just like that's used to be rich people's uh, relationship with the media, is that they were for it. And nowadays, Not so much, but of course, like you said, Lucas, sometimes it can be a little too favorable as well. Um, And of course, Muffy does eventually pull her funding because then Francine turns the camera on her friends in embarrassing or compromising situations, such as Binky petting the class class rabbit, uh, saying, There's a cute little rabbit.
1: Again, I don't know why of all... we It's been so long since we've really focused on the animal hierarchy, but once again, class rabbit... More questions than answers when
0: yeah. it comes to that. Uh, we see also Arthur getting dragged to Mary Moo How the movie, which this is really strange to me because <laughs> DW says that he... he yeah, Ar- okay, Ar- Ar- I'm glad yeah.
1: that you noticed how little this makes yeah, sense Yeah, so
0: well. Arthur had to go to the movie with DW and Mom because he lost a bet that he keeps saying he was tricked into making. And the bet was that Uh, DW's invisible friend Nadine could hold her breath for, like, forever or, like, something like that. And Arthur keeps saying, no, you tricked me. I didn't mean to. And I'm like, but how? How did you – how can you get tricked into a bet like that?
1: I I think this one's on Arthur. I think Arthur – Of course it
0: is. (laughs) She's four. It's just, like, I don't understand how DW is so good at just – Owning Arthur, like just completely owning him.
1: Yeah, it's D.W. working on some game theory levels here. She's <laughs> she's uh, really playing three dimensional chess while Arthur's playing checkers. Um, the next photo that Francie takes is actually my favorite like Polaroid. We get a close up of in the episode. Mm-hmm. She tries to uh, sort of the wire season five style when there is no news. She's trying to make the news. <laughs> um, she she's releasing Nemo. Onto the soccer field during a a soccer a kid soccer game in order to uh, sort of copycat what happened with the goat, uh, and she gets a picture of uh, Brain Arthur and Buster all smashing into one another as Nemo runs by, and that's a pretty great
0: picture. Another one of my favorite my favorite lines in this episode. Well, it worked with the goat. <laughs> Uh, so everybody, she eventually makes a, fr- uh, and she also embarrasses Muffy as they're playing dress up and she's got on like all this really garish, almost clown clothing uh, and kind of makes fun of her on the front page. But everybody gets it here and they immediately turn on Francine. And you can tell that like, ju- just in case you were wondering whether or not Francine is in the right or not, she has the defense of every uh, a-hole on the internet I'm just telling it like it is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. You are, pal. Uh, like, th- I'd love to see her Twitter account. <laughs> oh, I definitely would not. Uh, but actually, yeah, kind of, kind of yes, but kind of no. Francine has pretty much alienated all her friends. She tries to talk to them, and this is great. Like they've given the silent treatment before, but this is the no comment treatment. Like everything she says, they just say no comment great i need to do that sometime
1: um yeah so um like there there, there's multiple like stuff that i love about this like when everybody turns on francine arthur calling it a rag is like hilarious (laughs) yeah like what he's like oh that rag the the frensky uh what's her paper called again
0: the frensky star
1: yeah the frensky star who would read that rag and like everybody being like no comment together they just keep repeating it um uh, um, Buffy's like, I can't have uh, lunch without being harassed by the tabloids.
0: Yeah, no, there, they, like, there is some, re- there's some really sharp, uh, writing in this episode, and, and like you said, I, 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 kind of forgot about that, but it was weird to hear Arthur just say the word "rag" to a news. Like, when you, when's the last time you heard an adult call a newspaper a rag? I, think- uh,
1: I actually hear, um, well. There's a local paper called Frank Magazine. Oh yes, yeah. that, spe- that, spe- that, that I hear referred to as a rag almost every time it's brought up. Yeah, uh, uh, well, but besides,
0: as, you know what? As well, it should be. I, no,
1: definitely. But besides a uh, gossip rag, Frank Magazine, I, I don't really you don't hear about rags
0: that often no. mm-hmm. Um At the same time that this is happening, somebody takes a picture of Francine uh, d- playing the drums and singing badly. Which is good which is cool I'm glad that they brought that back uh and it's a mysterious arm that is handing out uh an edition of the frensky star with this headline to just random people I, I liked I liked the montage of the arm coming up from places like behind a tree or at the ice cream store
1: yeah uh, um any like just like uh a uh, uh, arm that's not attached to anything it gave me flashbacks to uh to the episode where DW's got the arm,
0: the mysterious, like, the mysterious, the mysterious hand?
1: hand, excuse me. Yes. The mysterious hand. Um, but like some of them, it's like, doesn't even make sense to where the person would be attached. Like with the arms coming from the tree and stuff like that. That's like a fun visual gag.
0: Yeah. Um, and Francine is convinced that it's, you know, somebody that she, uh, did a picture on. And every but everybody denies it. There's a (laughs) there's a great one here. Like Buster enters with like a stack of the Frensky star, and she's. (laughs) This is
1: my favorite line of the episode. I uh, love this part. So
0: and she's like, Ah, Buster, I knew it was you. And he's like, No, I just found these uh, lying on the ground. Uh, (laughs) Hang on. Ever since my day with your dad, I see garbage everywhere, (laughs) which is funny in context and loaded out of context.
1: Uh, oh, I didn't even think about it out of context. Uh, but in context, it's so funny because especially like considering how excited he was to go to the, the trash, um, I, I, I guess Buster's found his calling.
0: Yeah, he seems to really take him with it. I kind of wish we got a little more of that. Uh, and eventually we do find out that the person who did the Frensky star against Francine is Catherine, uh, who actually did it to to say to save her. Uh, she saw that she was alienating all of her friends with her photos and decided to give her a taste of her own medicine so she could know what it feels like. Catherine even says that when she was Francine's age, she bugged her friends by taking pictures of them. It's actually kind of nice. It's it's pretty it's pretty quick, but it is a nice kind of bonding moment between the sisters, which we so rarely see. In fact, we get uh, Oliver Frensky, who takes a photo of his daughters not fighting for one second. I think uh, we, we haven't seen nearly enough oliver frensky i miss that man so much yeah
1: i know uh, buster got i'm jealous of buster <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly i, I want to go out on a garbage run with oliver frensky i just i miss him like after after those you know couple of episodes that we had that were like fantastic showcases of him i feel like we're really lacking we need him back um and we end actually with the sisters fighting again, as is apparently normal. Did you notice the name of the soda that they're fighting over? No. Sarah soda.
1: Ooh, Sarah soda. Uh,
0: and the, the and they just continue fight continue fighting until the episode fades out. There's a great line here of just like Francine being like, "I'll never give up the soda. They'll bury me with this soda." <laughs> and that's kind of and that's pretty much the end of the episode there. Before we move into the second half here. Uh, We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, .tumblr elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com and an Instagram at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, Send us an email and get it read on the show at Limits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show.
0: And we're back. I don't know if you can Well, hear-
1: we're back from the break. There was two flickers while we were recording the uh, first episode. So keep those fingers crossed.
0: Oh boy. Uh, I I think I think this this uh, rundown will be a little bit shorter. We'll have to wait and see. But uh yes, uh, we'll have to we'll keep you informed if we end up losing each other here, maybe spread over several recordings, but I hope not. Knock on wood. This one is DW's backpack mishap. And it all. So
1: I had I had no recollection of Mm. Citizen Frensky. Like literally, of all the Arthur episodes we've watched thus far, that might have been the one I've remembered the least. Like it was as if it was a brand new episode. I had maybe had never even seen it before, um, but I definitely remember DW's backpack mishap. Interesting. Uh, And I think it's because this episode has so much weird stuff in it Mm -hmm. that uh, really stand out, stood out in my mind even as like a little kid.
0: That's interesting. I didn't have as much of a memory of what happened here. I kind of did as the episode went along, but um, no, this one didn't really stick out in my mind. But let's get into it. It starts at the local pool where DW is trying to get her friends to swim with her because Arthur... Uh, refuses to in front of in front of his friends like play play in the pool with her uh, we see Emily and Marie Ellen uh, <laughs> with with the, eating their pate sandwiches which DWC- so this was this was yeah. the
1: second food earlier you you didn't know about what they were serving in the um, the news cafeteria
0: yeah London, uh, I, London
1: broil I, I don't think I've ever had liverwurst or pate sandwich
0: hmm. I've had pate before it's just I didn't consider that you could make it uh, into a sandwich uh, so yeah, DW's joke is pate is just a fancy word for liverwurst, which is on- honestly like kind of a bit above her age group. I think. Like, I don't even. I, know. I don't even really know what it's, liverwurst is either. Now that you mention it, it
1: was it was a weird weird to hear coming out of uh, DW because I know she's a picky eater, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, I-, I also if you put liverwurst in front of me, I probably wouldn't be able to like guess what it was. Liverwurst. Mm. Let's see if it looks good.
0: Yeah, and I mean is not an easy sell for kids either, but of course Emily is the rich one. So or or something. I don't know. She's just Oh, okay. I've had this on in hors d'oeuvre. Hmm. Uh and she <laughs> this is great. I she asks like the Tibbles if they wanna play with her, and then they just start attacking each other with sunscreen, and DW just goes, Why do I even bother? <laughs> <laughs> she just sounded so tired. It's such a great read. I loved it. Um and DW says I wish something exciting would happen and then a cloud rolls in and we <laughs> get a sudden downpour. DW is like, "No, I didn't mean it. I take it back." Yeah, she she uh g- gets
1: some Alanis Morissette set sort of uh irony uh in that you know she wished for something something to happen and something certainly did but unfortunately it was it was rain it's a free
0: ride that she just didn't take now this seemed to me like so dw goes to retrieve her backpack from a pile of children's backpacks i feel like a pile of backpacks right next to a fence of a public pool are just Begging to be stolen, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I mean, what is there to steal in kids' backpacks, though? I don't know. You know I, I like... don't.
0: I don't know, dude. I'm no. I'm no thief, so I don't know how they operate.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I, I feel like kids aren't. You know, they're not carrying around twenty dollar bills. Like, I if you're someone, if you're out here and you're stealing kids' toys and like sunscreen, you probably need it more than them. In all honesty,
0: <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like not a. It seemed very. I guess 90s of just like very lax security uh for for these backpacks. Um and as they as they run to the car, DW realizes that she took the wrong backpack and somebody stole hers. Uh and we have come to find out that on DW's backpack, it should say DW, but instead this one says Omble. Did you now did you guess Omble before it was revealed?
1: So I already I had remembered the episode, unfortunately. So I see. I, okay. I didn't. So did you not have? Had you not remembered the episode?
0: I didn't. Uh, oh,
1: So who who did you think Omble was?
0: I I don't know if who I thought it was, but I'll tell you. Like I did not immediately guess it was who it ended up being. I thought, I, I actually thought it, I was like trying to figure out how does Omble relate to Sue Ellen, but
1: I uh, uh, Sue Ellen, like if I didn't already know it was the tipples, I would have guessed it was Sue Ellen.
0: Yeah. But that was my guess. And I was not correct. Um DW is very upset because in her backpack was glitter. uh Her Mary moo cow doll. And what was the third thing? Oh, geez. It was uh... third thing. It, it doesn't really matter, but that's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, her, her stuff in there. Uh, oh, and her crazy bus tape. Oh my gosh, that's the biggest loss of all of them. And and she's like, what am I going to do without all of that stuff? And Arthur, with this almighty drag, have some peace and quiet? <laughs> it was great. He saw his opportunity and he took it.
1: I Again, I'm always a fan of Arthur in DW episodes mm-hmm. when he's sort of like, not, he's not a main character. and He's not even like necessarily an antagonist, but he's just kind of like, he reminds me of... Um, uh, like, uh, this is kind of a weird analogy, but it's like, uh, uh, Abby from Broad City's, uh, uh, roommate's boyfriend, Bevers, when Arthur shows up in DW episodes, he's just kind of like an annoyance to a DW, just kind of, not really a foil, uh, but he's, he's just kind of a, a presence there to sort of
0: like, like a running commentary on her.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Is, is now, is that, is that guy from Broad City? I've only watched a couple of episodes. Is that the one played by Hannibal Burris?
1: No, 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 no. That's, um, that is Alana's boyfriend, is played by Hannibal Burris. Bevers is like a guy who he lives with, uh, he, well, he doesn't necessarily live with her, but Abby's roommate, you never see Abby's roommate because she's always traveling abroad, but her boyfriend always stays at Abby's house, even though he doesn't pay rent. I see. Um, and that, that's Bevers. I see. Uh, similar to Arthur, he has an insatiable appetite.
0: Ah. Uh, so DW is very that's the whole crux of this episode she's trying to figure out exactly who Omble is and why he or they would steal her backpack and she's got some working theories as well that she kind of uh, workshops with Nadine because they're going through Omble's backpack and what's in there is a clay statue what we come to find out later is the Eiffel Tower uh, a snow globe of the Great Wall of China And a set of pan pipes, uh, which D.W. thinks are fang holders. Uh, But what I'm sorry, what I meant to get to is that uh, she's trying to figure out like who would have stolen it. And her first thought is maybe a unicorn stole it. And we get this. this So all of
1: all of D.W.'s theories in this episode are like like this one's just kind of a straight up parody of My Little Pony a little bit. Mm -hmm. But these these theories are out there like even for arthur asides, these these get kind of crazy high concept
0: these are very imaginative i think that's i think that's one of the things i like about this is that it really captures the little kid imagination of like basically nothing is off limits so they kind of just go nuts with uh, some of these it's like imagining a unicorn uh, little girl and her unicorn mom just uh, being exasperated of just like i swapped my backpack for dw's and i got glitter her mom's like, we're gonna have to take you back to the Horn Store. That's the third time this year. I also like the design of DW's unicorn. We've seen it before, but we've never seen it like animated, and it did remind me a lot of like Friendship is Magic, kind of.
1: Or like old old My Little Pony, like pre yeah. pre Friendship is Magic when they um like the old art style. Mm-hmm. Um, so she thinks the uh, the pan flute is like Fang holders. Yes. Uh, so she starts to uh uh. She starts to picture Omble as like some sort of hideous creature, mm-hmm. uh, and then she doesn't doesn't seem to know what the Great Wall of China is, and this is where this episode kind of probably gets its the weirdest. This probably might actually be a little bit scary if you're a little kid. Yeah. Um, so this this kind of hunchback sort of creature with fangs uh, steals DW's Mary Mukau doll, and he throws it off the Great Wall of China into some sort of pen where it uh, comes to life, um, and. There's a bunch of Mary Moo cows in the pen, uh, and apparently he's fattening them up with ice, snow. Snow. He's fattening them up with snow, so he's feeding them, force feeding them snow, um, and then so they could be processed into are they plastic burgers? Pla-
0: plastic hamburgers. Uh,
1: and then fed to Polly Lockets, like clones of Polly Locket.
0: It's weird. And like the way that they animate the other Mary Moo Cow, she's like has a blanket on and is shivering and has like bags under her eyes. It's kind of distressing. Um but that so DW is she's even more upset and she's like we have like we have to find Mary soon. Uh and so she's very very dedicated to finding out where Omble is. Um, we, we did we do get a, a great line here from Nadine where it's like, um, DW is like, if you were a real friend, you would help me out because Nadine wants to go to bed, and she's just like, but I'm not real, I'm imaginary.
1: <laughs> I, which is which makes the question: Does D- DW aware that Nadine's not real? Like, I guess she talks about her being imaginary all the time, um, and people are always telling her she's imaginary. But I always assumed that DW thought she was real, and everybody else just knew the truth. But I guess that's not the case. I guess D.W. knows that Nadine's not real as well. And she just kind of goes along with it.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a a, a little bit of maybe an oxymoron. Maybe she do, maybe she does know, but also kind of doesn't really understand what that means. It's I don't know. It's le- it's left vague, probably as it should be um (laughs) dw eventually commiserates with emily at a at a tea party of just like what Omble does it's like he goes around in a blimp and he sucks up children's backpacks uh and and he was the one who made the weather go bad so he could have the proper cover to suck up dw's backpack there's such a great shot here of dw and emily at the table while arthur is there his head's in his hands and he looks absolutely morose it's just like <laughs> i was supposed to i was just supposed to babysit you not listen to the world's most boring story <laughs>
1: this this whole table scene is like great like from a visual perspective arthur looks huge like yeah. he barely fits at this table like um we forget that like because um, the way Arthur and D.W. are drawn, like he's taller than her, but you don't really get like the proper scale of like what the the older kids look next to the toddlers. Mm. But here, like Arthur's at this tiny tea set and he looks like a giant, um, <laughs> and it's it just like doesn't fit him. It's a funny visual, and he's also like depressed as well. It is like shorts and t-shirt, so it's just
0: a good gag. And and he's also like, can I have some more pretend tea? And Emily's like, sorry, Arthur, we're all out. <laughs> <laughs> Um and so at this point the like Arthur says my brain is melting which gives DW the idea to bring uh some stuff to the brain and we get this montage of them going to Arthur's friends and identifying stuff so brain you know says that the thing is made out of clay uh, Buster confirms that it looks like the Eiffel Tower and he has like an old croissant that he eats Ugh, is, it's like
1: it's like moldy it's, That's, moldy. it's so gross he offers yeah like I'm surprised Buster didn't get like ill
0: they uh yeah he's got some kind of beyond cast iron stomach or something an iron clad stomach perhaps well same thing um and they take it to they take their stuff to sue ellen who says that they're not fang holders they're pan pipes which i knew that they were pan pipes when i was young because my my family had a carta 96 for the windows computer is that like, um, I was going to say, uh, I, th- I think,
1: believe it or not, this is the second time we've brought this up on this podcast, uh, but you can't say panpipes without me thinking about the Inca giant bomb video. <laughs> um, is, is Encarta like, is is it like Inca? Was there like a giant like space
0: pan flute? No, actually, Incarta was almost the proto-Wikipedia. It was an encyclopedia, it was like a visual encyclopedia It wasn't a game, but you could, uh, it was a program for Windows, and we had the disc for it. We had Encarta 96 and Encarta 2000, and uh, yeah, there was just, like, a, a lot of visual references to, like, that's how I learned about languages and instruments from around the world. There was, like, a quiz game that you could play, and it was, like, a maze. It was great. I really wish that I could find a way to emulate Encarta, either Encarta 96 or Encarta 2000. I have a lot of... Childhood nostalgia, because like I didn't have many computer games when I was growing up, so I played the crap out of Incarta and Microsoft's Dangerous Creatures.
1: Ooh, dang- I kind of, rem- I think I remember Dangerous Creatures. uh Speaking of memories, I'm watching this Inca people video again, <laughs> uh, and I just got to say, this holds up. This this never ceases to be funny.
0: I I watch it every once in a while, and it's still it still gets me. It just like <laughs> Jeff bobbing his head up and down eventually. <laughs>
1: El Dorado.
0: You okay. are El Dorado. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Inca great. people into the, the night. night. Oh, Inca people looking for a place to go.
1: <laughs> doodoo
0: Pan flute solo. <laughs> yeah. What is
1: this? A ZZ Top video? Oh, it's so good. Dianetics
0: is inca it's terrific there's a three minute video of giant bomb inca if you haven't seen it before uh it's a great introduction to to giant bomb uh and it's just funny no matter what uh yeah so we're getting kind of information on what these things are piece by piece and until sue ellen showed up i was like well this is probably her backpack but then sue ellen is someone who gives them information so it couldn't be her and very early on uh, we we ixnay Emily and the Tibbles of just like it's not their style or like they wouldn't do that so they're off the table at least for right now they go back to the pool uh, where DW says I think I think she
1: says t- they wouldn't be smart enough to yes. put something like this together like, yeah
0: Emily's too nice and the Tibbles aren't smart enough that's yeah. what it was So DW goes back to the pool because the criminal always returns to the scene of the crime and she sees someone run away, like a caped figure that she assumes is Omble and she's actually kind of right uh, in the end and instead she finds the Tibbles and they're wearing these like towel capes. Like, of (laughs) course, like if you ever played superhero when you were a kid, you got like a blanket or a towel and your mom would uh, clothespin it to your t-shirt and you would wear it like a cape. This is like um, almost, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what this is. What is
1: that? um, What's the Tibbles' uh, uh, caregiver's name again? Their grandma?
0: Mrs. Tibble?
1: Mrs. Tibble, of course. Uh, I I feel like Mrs. Tibble, uh, as we've stated in earlier episodes, Mrs. Tibble isn't, uh, you know, she's not the most helicoptery parrot. She's not really, like, surveying what the Tibbles are into. She let them Mm. watch Power Rangers. So maybe the Tibbles, this is the early 2000s, late 90s. Maybe the Tibbles got their hands on some image comics. And they've been <laughs> they've been reading Spawn, baby, <laughs> and they got their Spawn towels on. Do
0: you think this is? Do you think this is a child's recreation of the Spawn cape?
1: Yeah, I think I think the Tibbles are um they're they're Satan's favorite. Uh, oh God, what's a Satan's favorite servant or whatever? The devil's uh, favorite demon. The devil's favorite demon. Uh, they're out here. Uh, and and they're is Tom Tom of Canadian, right? Um. Let's see this. I have to if it is Canadian hero th- Todd I McFarland.
0: He, I, th- I think he might be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a good poll. I didn't even think of. I mean,
1: yeah, he is Canadian. Oh man, we need a Todd. We need a Canadian heritage moment. Of, a minute about Todd McFarland creating oh, Spawn.
0: Oh, stop it, please. Oh, uh, Spawn.
1: I I I, I kind of like like it's stupid, but I kind of like Spawn.
0: Um.
1: Like I appreciate, I'm not saying that I think it's good. Yeah, uh, but I get a kick out of it.
0: I appreciate Spawn's place in history, and there's parts of it that you can go back to, mainly to having to do with the visuals, because I think Todd McFarlane was was I don't know about his modern work or anything, but he was a very gifted uh, visual artist, and I really like the way that you know his Spider-Man. Uh, designs looked. Spawn does look cool. It's just when you try to read the Wikipedia page of what's happened in Spawn since 1996, that it gets a little gets a little uh, Kingdom Hearts-y, if you know what I'm saying. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a rich, detailed history. So,
1: t- to uh, figure out what Todd McFarlane's been up to lately, I'm taking a look at his Wikipedia uh, article. Uh, apparently, Blumhouse Productions uh, is doing a, a new Spawn movie and it's being directed by Todd McFarland
0: Yeah, and,
1: and JB Fox is gonna play Spawn
0: yeah I remember it's that like, coming out a year or two ago and being like alright we'll see you know huh. like I, I wouldn't be surprised but I'm also like I don't put much stock into things when it's just like when the creator is like we're totally doing it Like, apparently shooting starts in June okay well I guess be on the lookout for Spawn and 2020 perhaps i mean mm. blumhouse so they'll probably be be made be made on the cheap and probably make its money back
1: that's true that's true
0: so how did we get this oh right the capes the capes uh, <laughs> the, spot, the, be,
1: the spot's best quality his big old cape
0: uh at this point DW wants to find Omble because she both wants her backpack back and she's also really interested in who Omble is. She has a line here of just of just like he's, you know, he's world traveled, he has all these interesting artifacts. He sounds so interesting, not like my friends. And then the next day at preschool, uh Timmy goes Timmy and Tommy Tibble are like making a clay statue of the Leaning Tower of Pisa and then Tommy goes to reach into his backpack and instead, he pulls out Mary Cow, And after a little bit of confusion here, we do find out that it was actually Tommy Tibble, who is Omble. It's just part of his name was rubbed out from just the marker wearing off on his backpack. And of course, neither he or DW can read, so that didn't solve anything. Uh, that's why he accidentally took DW's backpack. And it turns and DW, out- DW yeah. learns
1: the valuable lesson, not to judge a book by its cover, because
0: uh, Tommy <laughs> Tibble
1: is actually more cultured than you would suspect.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I think that goes for the audience as well. Uh so yes, uh it was Tommy's clay uh of the Eiffel Tower. It's a souvenir from his mother from the Great Wall of China. She went on a trip there and uh Timmy, or excuse me Tommy plays the panpipes because he and Timmy take folk music lessons and we find out that Timmy plays the charango. Uh,
1: we get then the, we get this weird brief aside of Timmy on top of a mountain playing a chirongo, and D.W. Um, D- 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 sees it for in some way because she goes, "You play a mean chirongo." <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, it I like I I realized halfway through the episode, it's like, oh, it's Tommy Tibble. That's where Omble comes from. It's like, wait a second, how did Tommy get all this stuff? And then that brings up a question for me. I guess the Tibbles do have parents. They well, just yeah, don't no, live they they them? mentioned
1: their mom brought back. The uh, the the snow globe from China, so maybe their parents like teach abroad or something.
0: Maybe it's I I m- m- uh, I would like to know more. Uh, but it it does it doesn't so much fill in on their character, but it does give a little bit of background to them who are normally just relegated to the background. So it d- definitely threw me for a loop because I forgot all about the Tibbles here. Um, and then the end of the episode here is that they, you know, they exchange their backpacks. All's well, but then it turns out that somebody stole Emily's hat, which I think she's
1: it was Nardwar stole Emily's hat <laughs> apparently,
0: <laughs> and replaced it with this green Tamashanter that looks like the hat from Pokemon Sword and Shield, <laughs> the the one that the Scottish girl's wearing.
1: Hey, so Arthur, I was uh. <laughs> What, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, we have here, uh, we have a record from Death, 1978 creator of punk music, Death. Tell us a little bit about this. Oh, well, uh, uh, uh Nardwar, how did you know? How do you know this, Nardwar? So crazy. <laughs> we got a Bugs Bunny original, Bugs Bunny number one, uh, Bionic Bunny number one. What do you think about that, Arthur? Whoa, so wild. How did you know that, Nardwar?
0: Arthur, how do you keep your belt up? How do you keep your (laughs) pants up? How do you do that?
1: Nardwar is one of those things where it's like... um... It's like uh, uh, like the pitchfork over and under videos where, you know, I sometimes I, the, 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 I don't actually want to be like a famous person. Well, maybe I do. But the things I think about the most about the perks of being a famous person is like all that dumb internet stuff that you mm-hmm. can do just because you're a famous person. I'm sure like some people talk about like they want to be on Hot Ones or, sure. or that kind of stuff. But one of the things I would I would love is to have Nardwar interview me and bring up obscure details of my past and then give me cool presents. Uh, sure. That seems That'd like a fun, awesome. that seems like a fun time. Uh, what obscure record do you think Nardwar would pull out for you, Will? That you think people would be surprised to to hear that you were into, or was it important?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, the first thing that came into my head was Raffi's Christmas album. Oh, that's a good one. I'd love Raffi's Christmas album on vinyl. That'd be awesome. We used to have the we used to have the tape of that, and that just that it's it just feels like Christmas to me. That, I guess so I guess that would be that would be mine <laughs> Uh great question though I like that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah that's pretty much the end of the episode DW uh, saying that uh, you know they'll f- they'll find whoever stole Emily's Emily's hat he's out there somewhere and we get like a glint in her eye all right so let's rewind it back here as we discuss these Arthur stories uh, the first one Citizen Frensky uh, what what'd you think of this Lucas
1: so Citizen Frensky had, like, a lot of good writing in it. There's a lot of, like, clever jokes in that episode. But overall, I kind of found it a little bit boring. Like, it's 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 got a—maybe uh, it's because last week we had two bangers back-to-back, and so my standards were too high going into it. But I found it a little bit plodding in the third act and, like, uh, a tad slow, maybe, or a tad uh, disinteresting to me. Um, I don't know if I'm just in a sleepy mood due to the snowstorm or what, uh but uh some really funny lines. Like I think there's some really creative all this stuff about I loved the montage of everybody going to everybody's parents' work. Uh, I loved, you know, Braid talking about child labor and Muffy being like the ice cream John Taffer and all the weird stuff with Mr. Crosswire. Um, a lot of the photos, out of context, are like really, really funny. The kids smashing into each other with the goat or, or Mr. Rapper and showing what he got, showing what his mama gave him. Uh, that but uh, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but besides that, it's like, uh, it's pretty middle of the road. Um, mm. Un, you know, not not. I think there's a reason I didn't really remember this episode uh, from my childhood so much. It's because it's not really that memorable.
0: Um, so I generally kind of feel the same way about both the episodes. I like I liked them. I don't love them, but I think that there's a lot to lot very likable about these. With Citizen Frensky, I agree that like the writing is very sharp at points, and I appreciated that. They kind of end up trying to go for a message at the end, and that's like whatever, but I do like the concept of Francine getting like way into uh, you know, besmirching her friends, essentially. It almost takes on a little bit of a, like, fr- uh, modern-day's Francine almost doing, like, a proto-version of call-out culture. <laughs> Just way, way, way lower stakes. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was fun. I had fun with it, and it's definitely not, you know, top-tier or, or anything like that, but I thought it was pretty good. Like, I don't really have a whole lot to say about it, but it's it was a fun idea and some good jokes. It was, you know, pretty good time. I'd say the same for DW's backpack mishap. I'd say maybe I'd say mishap. It's funny, actually, when I was watching it, it almost felt like it was from a different type of show because it was focusing on DW. And like we said before, how imagination... Kind of plays a lot into it, like a, a young child's imagination. It almost felt like it was part of a show that was aimed at a younger audience. Like this particular episode was aimed at kids a couple of years younger than who would be wa- normally watching Arthur. So it felt a little bit out of the norm for an episode like that. But I appreciated how kind of out there some of those ideas got, how lit like boundless imagination. Was a big part of this of this episode, and uh, I I think you made a great point about Arthur kind of being DW's kind of running commentary, her foil in these episodes. I, I appreciate that role as well. Also, Arthur's voice is hella breaking at this point, and it's kind of it's kind of funny to hear.
1: It'll be uh, interesting to see the next iteration of Arthur when that happens.
0: Yeah, I think we swing the complete other way, if I remember, in terms of what his voice sounds like. Anyway, uh, another kind of nice popcorn episode. N- nothing earth-shattering, but fun to watch, and funny at funny points as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I liked DW's backpack mishap a lot more than I liked the first episode, purely mm. just because it got so strange. Um, and I think I we haven't had a DW episode in a while now, um, so it was refreshing to, like you said, uh, once again have a DW-focused episode. And, and, and I think we're sort of the extended... Um, DW cast of characters, the Tibbles and Emily, um, are really fitting into their roles now. I I feel like it's been a long time coming where we've had those characters kind of introduced one by one and fleshed out a little bit, and now it's like, okay, this is the cast we're working with when a DW episode comes up. It's going to be Nadine, it's going to be the Tibbles, it'll be Emily. Um, So uh, I I was pleased by that because i kind of been missing these kind of episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also the weird asides... Uh, I got a big kick out of it as well and sort of the who done it aspect of it of like I guess if like for you you didn't you weren't able to guess it was the Tibbles so no. uh, usually when Arthur does kind of a mystery it's pretty easy to figure out who's doing what uh, so I think it's effective in that sense as well that
0: it's, it was sort of a fun mystery to solve agreed yeah I mean hey it, it fooled me for at least half the episode so there you go they did something right And that's going to bring us to the end here as the uh, I think I think the freezing rain, the snow might be quieting down a little bit, might be getting into rain territory pretty soon. Uh, So we're going to take our leave here on Elwood City Limits. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will be back hopefully sooner rather than later with another look at a season six episode. Uh, Finally, one of the characters we've been hoping gets more screen time. We'll be getting just that next episode. It's the boy with his head in the clouds and more
1: oh my gosh what could more be
0: you you know what it's until i looked up the summary i really couldn't have guessed like i was really confused as to what that could be and i'm still not 100 percent on what's up with that one so uh well we're just gonna have to pretty much wait and see uh also just want to slide this in here real quick i realized uh just today that the last couple of episodes I've forgotten to edit in the uh, Patreon uh, cold read at the beginning of the episode. I'm very sorry. I'm going to have to do an updated one, and I will do my best to remember that uh, once again. Sorry if you didn't hear your name on the last couple of podcasts. If you are one of our patrons, I will be getting that back in uh, this episode and going forth. It's like I knew I was forgetting something, but it just took me a long time to remember what. And that's going to be it for today. Whether it's snowing where you are, whether it's cold, whether it's raining or hailing or freezing or whatever, I hope that you mind how you go. And uh, keep listening to the show. Keep giving us your feedback. Keep following us on social. All that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, keep being you. You're great.